Our lesson this morning is from John chapter 1. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples as he watched Jesus walk by, and he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following him, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated is anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, a city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Here ends the reading. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. This year for Christmas, my parents and I went to uh, their new church uh, in Bentonville, Arkansas for worship. This church is a unique congregation in the sense that they actually worship in an old storefront. Their space doesn't have any pews. Uh, They're filled with chairs lined up in a row. Uh, They have some TVs on their walls for their bulletins and their uh, song lyrics because they don't have hymnals. But it's a congregation founded on the principle of changing church and creating relationship. I've gone to this church before, but this Christmas Eve, it was dramatically different. The parking lot outside was lined with uh, candlelit luminaries, and the sanctuary was totally dark. I mean, dark, dark. Ushers had to hold flashlights to guide us through the space, You really had to rely on the people around you in order just to find your way down the aisles and and try to find a chair that was open. From the ceiling of the sanctuary space hung these small little bullet LED lights. The whole ceiling was filled with them, and up front on the stage were these strings of lights and acrylic tubes. So you can picture with the dark sanctuary and all of these small LED lights, it was from top to bottom an attempt of a replication of that very first starry Christmas night. 
It was an experience that everyone got to share together to celebrate the birth of Christ. This morning, we're focusing on the second half of the first chapter of John. John starts this first chapter, John starts his gospel book with a cosmic Jesus, Jesus of the universe, the one at the beginning of time through whom all things came through and who is the flesh and blood of the word of God. This cosmic Jesus then, as John tells us, goes walking on the earth and finds John the Baptist, who we heard about last week. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and proclaims to the world that this is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, here among us. Today, we're post-baptism. We've gone past all of that Lamb of God, Jesus the incarnate word, ahead of me because he was before me nonsense language that John loves to use and that sometimes boggles our minds and can seem to put Jesus in a far-off realm in the deepest expanses of the heavens. No, today Jesus is on the earth, and we get to witness the nitty-gritty of Jesus' ministry, the calling of his first disciples. Now, this is no typical call story. There are no nets being mended, the disciples aren't fishermen on the sea. There's no dramatic miracle. There's no holy revelation. In fact, there really isn't anything that makes this story different from any other time or place. In this moment, there is only Jesus, and there, are, there is only an invitation. Come and see. Come and see, says Jesus. Come and see where I'm staying. That invitation sparked the revolution of Jesus' ministry on earth. From that very moment, news began to spread that the Messiah has been found, but not everyone is so convinced. Nathaniel's response is probably my favorite. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It seems like a pretty sarcastic response to this news, like maybe telling a Vikings fan that the Messiah came from Green Bay. Can anything good come out of Green Bay? Glad you got that. <laughs> this response, though, is not exactly as lighthearted as at least I, maybe you, initially thought. It's more like saying, uh, as someone saying today, can anything good possibly come out of Mexico? Of Iraq? Of Iran? Out of North Korea? even out of northeast Minneapolis? Who is this Messiah that comes from a place like that? Philip reacts to this kind of offensive response with only three words, the exact same invitation that Jesus gives. Come and see. The simple phrase is perhaps one of the greatest phrases that we can have in our own arsenal of responses. It's not a phrase of aggression. There's no, I'm right, you're wrong. There's no division of ideology. There's not even an attempt to persuade Nathaniel or to change his mind. Come and see. Don't just believe me. Come and see for yourself. 
You know, this is exactly what the Magi did when they journeyed to the manger. Now, if you're thinking, wait a minute, why are we going back to the manger? We're talking about Jesus as an adult and finding his first disciples, and Christmas was two weeks ago. Time to move on, Brian. Well, that's a perfectly fair question, but today is the first Sunday of the Epiphany. Epiphany is the end of Christmas. There really are 12 days of Christmas, and today marks the end of it, and I hope you had your houses decorated for all 12 of those days, but if you didn't, I didn't either, so that's okay. But all joking aside, the Epiphany actually is an important part of our story today. The Magi journeyed to Bethlehem because they saw the star that rose in the east. They saw this special star and heard the invitation, come and see the newborn king. The star shining in the east was that invitation, and the Magi had no choice but to go and see for themselves. So on this first Sunday of the Epiphany, we celebrate the arrival of the Magi at the manger. They went and they saw the one born of Mary in Nazareth of all places. What a narrative of our Savior. Our call to discipleship to Jesus Christ is not one of deep expectation. It's not come and do, or come and learn, or come and make sure that we get as many people as possible into our church. It's just come and see. Come and see the Messiah. Come and see what the Messiah does in the world. Come and see how God is present among us. Just come and see. What would it look like if this was our mantra in our everyday life? What if instead of arguing our opinions or forcing our beliefs, we showed people what God is doing? I want you to imagine a world where all can experience the love of God instead of being forced to blindly believe that it's there but not really knowing what it means. I would love to say that this is a much easier way to live, but showing, showing people God's presence in the world is hard. And it's especially hard if maybe we don't know what that means in our own lives. So I want you to think, how do you experience God? How has God created you to be in relationship with God and in relationship with others? How do you feel God's presence how do you hear God's presence, feel, taste, smell, see God's presence in your life? I can't answer those questions for you. I wish I could, believe me. It's different for all of us. However, we can't invite others to come and see the Messiah if we do not, if we do not go and see the Messiah ourselves. You know, sometimes the best way to get a message across is to sing it. And the hymn that we're about to sing is actually one of my most favorites. It's called The Summons, and it's all about God calling us to follow. Here are some of the lyrics. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know? Will you let my love be shown? We won't be singing all of it today, but I encourage you to go and read through the words and actually listen to what it says. It's a powerful hymn that calls us to experience God moving in the world and to show others that movement too. Will you use the faith you found to reshape the world around through my sight and touch and sound in you and you and me?
This invitation for those first disciples is the same invitation given to us each and every day. We are called to go and see the Messiah, the baby in the manger, the Savior on the cross. Whether it's in the beauty of creation, in that dimly lit, starry night experience of that Christmas Eve worship, or maybe it's in the eyes of someone in need, go and see the Messiah. Go and discover the sight and touch and sound of God. And when you find the Messiah, tell everyone you meet that you have found the one Moses and the prophets have spoken of, the one who took on our flesh and blood, the one born in that manger under the star of Bethlehem, who the Magi went to see, and who set his eyes for Jerusalem, loving and uplifting all whom he met on his way. Go, see, the Messiah has come. Amen.